right, welcome back to another hour of Sky Shower. I'm Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right, well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we have another fun and uh, great evening ahead of here, uh, ahead of us here. We got the Delmore 15. Uh, really excited about that. Um, apparently, it got some really good ratings. Um, a 98, I think, uh, Jesse was mentioning yeah. here. Uh, from there, we uh, have our shout-outs and get-it-togethers. Along with our uh, wonderful uh, restaurant review of Mama Louise. And then to follow that up with our smarter challenge of being the uh, Godfather review, or I'm not sure exactly what kind of a avenue we're taking on it, but it's on the Godfather. The Godfather. The Godfather. Scotch review. We're going to make enough for they can't refuse. <laughs> All right. So we have got the Dalmore 15-year scotch here. Um, and we've, you know, we've reviewed a couple other Dalmores at this point. Uh, episode six. Sure. We reviewed the Dalmore 12-year. Okay. 50 episodes later, episode 56, we reviewed the Cigar Malt. And here we are at episode 62 with the 15. Um, and as you mentioned with the previous Dalmore reviews, some great heritage, lineage, and history goes along with this Dalmore Scotch namesake. Uh, Colin of Kintail, chief of Clan Mackenzie, saved King Alexander III. Um, from a wild stag that was running at him, risking his life. And with that, the king granted the clan Mackenzie the right to use the 12 horn stag on their coat of arms. Um, way down the road later, we're talking like 500 years later, 1867, the clan purchases the Dalmore Distillery and since then has used that 12 point stag as the symbol of their fine scotches their promise to really continue to drive to make the finest single malt and they do make a really good single malt i think everything we tried so far we've been uh, it's been pretty stellar yeah i literally am super excited for this one partially because as noah mentioned this one received uh, a, a little while back a 98 point score at a competition um, of which we loved the cigar malt and it only received a 93 point score so what what do those extra five points taste like i can't wait to find out neither can i and i guess I guess that was at the International Wine and Spirits Competition in 2019. Yeah, just a couple years ago. Um, Versus the Cigar Malt, which was a 93 at the Ultimate Spirits Competition in 2019. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting because Richard Patterson is the master distiller for Dalmore, and Greg Glass, the master whiskey uh crafter if you will they hand select the casks from the gonzalez bias uh, family of sherry uh, they get all of the 30-year casks so all of their casks that have 30-year aged sherry in them go to the dalmore distillery for part of their craft to make their scotches all right anything else you got on there no i mean we mentioned you know the dalmore has um, 
a basic selection, the principal collection, if you will. We've um, talked about the Sherry Cast Select, um, the the Port Wood Reserve, the Dalmore 12, which we've tried. Um, this evening's Dalmore 15 will be, uh, I'm sure, a treat. The Seagal Mart malt reserve um the king alexander the third which we have not tried yet but we have procured ourselves a bottle and then the dalmore 25 is part of that principal collection beyond that they do have uh, another collection of which starts 10 year um scotches and goes up to 60 years so they pick basically the finest vintage of each decade they call it the decade collection and have scotches up to 60 years old as part of this um series so 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 um, you might have mentioned it, and I probably didn't hear it or wasn't paying attention. Um, but what area is Delmore again from? It is a Highlands single malt Scotch whiskey. Highlands, okay. And what was the ABV on this? This particular one, we're sitting at. Let's see here. I believe it is. Man, it's, I don't even see it on the bottle. That's not legal. Forty <laughs> percent. <laughs> so not high. Not anticipating it to be too hot from an alcohol standpoint. You burn your eye out, kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is a forty percent ABV. The bottle always speaks for itself. We've always respected the uh, mature look of this bottle. Something you could definitely bring uh, to any number of events and fun parties. Basically, man, life is a party. It must be Italian for Italian Frangili. <laughs> Frangili. <laughs> All right. So they do have the trademark, and McCallan does this as well. Hologram seal, so you know your bottle is part of their authentic line. And with that, for some reason, I thought the McCallan put their their hologram like right in the middle where you have to tear it yeah, off. Yeah, you have to tear it off. The Dalmors is a little bit lower there, not necessarily torn off. It's got some good color, Noah. Yes, it does. Oh, man. I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. It's almost kind of an orangish color to me. It's probably those Gonzalez Bias Sherry 30-year-old casts. Probably. <laughs> Where'd he go, Gonzalez? <laughs> arriba, arriba. Andale, andale, andale. Spain, Spanish, just in case anyone's wondering where Gonzalez came from. <laughs> it's Petey Gonzalez, man. You know, I don't think the kids nowadays will be able to appreciate Speedy Gonzalez. I don't think so either. I almost feel like uh, modern society would <laughs> say that's an inappropriate show. Dude, Speedy Gonzalez like, was one of the best like cartoon characters ever. Yeah, what about Woody Woodpecker? What does that say, you know? Yeah. Tom and Jerry? I don't know. Arriba, arriba, andale, andale. All right. Well, as we dive into this. Oh, Cheers. Cheers. And we're off to our cut. <laughs> wow, what it this is uh this Dalmore fifteen. <laughs> Very, very super impressive. 
Um, I thought the cigar uh, Dalmore was great, but this one, it just seems a lot more refined to me. Uh, more like the cigar one, I definitely would, would want to smoke a cigar with it. This one, I just think it has like, it's smooth. It is smooth. Smooth I mean, operator. It smooth is, yeah, smooth operator. operator. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like, even on the bouquet, um, there's just like subtle hints of like uh, of a few different things. I get like a subtle hint of like a, of like a chocolate orange with potpourri mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. some kind of floral scent to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it, when I go and taste it, um, my initial, the front palate, um, it's just more like an orange zest and it's kind of a light orange zest. I mean, like, if I'm not really looking for it, I think I, I would miss it. <laughs> um, and it's, it's just like, just right there, right? Just a nice little hint of it. Um, there is a little bit of a spicy note in there and I can't really pinpoint what that spice is. Like, uh, like, I don't know if it's, if it's, uh, the ginger that supposedly some other reviewers have said, or if it's cinnamon or whatever, but I do, there's like a slight hint of something that kind of, that, that kicks up a slight bit of a spice there. Um, but what I really, really do enjoy is the long lingering finish where I get malt barley with espresso and vanilla. And it's so tasty. And the color, you get this like nice. Oh, yeah, the color is awesome. This nice brassy color to it with almost like an orange hue to it. It's like an orange hue brassy color. And I like the darkness of it. And really, it's just like the, the smell, uh, the, the bouquet of it is uh, very inviting to drink. Um, it's not going to overpower you like maybe some of like, the ones from, um, is it Isla? Isla. Where we have like the Lagavulin, like, oh, some people say it smells like a Band-Aid, <laughs> but it's really not. You know, really <laughs> it's Pete. Pete. <laughs> um, not Mr. Pete. Pete as in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do. I like this. I think this is a, you know, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't think I would take it to like a poker game. I don't think I'd take, I don't think I would take it to Ice like Dakes a poker game. No, I think, you know, if I'm going to drink this, um, you know, I probably like would want to sit down with, with, you know, with a good friend or something and, and enjoy it. It's not something I just take. <laughs> it's not something I take to like, uh, like most gatherings. Uh, and here's the reason why is because I'm selfish. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's real. That's honest. <laughs> um, you know, because here's the thing, like if I, if, if you take it, here's the problem I, I have. Like when you go take a, uh, a nice bottle of scotch to a function. Oh my god! Or any kind of like any kind of like nice liquor to function. One, you don't get to drink as much of it as you would like. <laughs> Two, I mean, a lot of people, <laughs> lot, most people don't seem to appreciate it. I still remember the bottle of Lagavulin at your mom's wedding. That went down pretty well between three of us. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we, we definitely did appreciate that one. <laughs> but I mean, in most cases, like you don't really like. I find like a, a lot of occasions, um, for instance, right now, and I'll go back to this one again. At a Christmas party, <laughs> right? Um, there was a single malt scotch, and the guy did not. He did not drink the. He didn't drink the scotch. You know, he didn't like savor it and sip it and all that type of stuff. He just downed it like if it was like a regular shot of like maybe like Jack Daniels, and you know that to me like. <laughs> 
there's that there's that lack of appreciation maybe i'm not sure what it, what it is but you know maybe just on a selfish side this i think this bottle here is someone i would rather share with people or someone i know that would appreciate it and uh it just it's just really elegant elegant is a great word for this scotch elegant i love that yeah perfect for the godfather i can see the godfather drinking this yeah i could i could see even i can even see james bond drinking this one yeah uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of, of suaveness that goes to this, uh, to this, a uh, little bit of panache. It's, uh, it's, it's not, I mean, it has style to it. It has a lot of style to it. And it's in, and I think dark it's green bottle or box bottle, you know, and the thing with the dark green box, it just kind of gives you like, I think it goes very well with the 12 pointed stag, like with uh, like a uh, forest and stuff like that. And it's not like oh, being overly flashy. It's just being like very classical and, um, you know, just uh, like I said, I guess earlier, elegant. Yeah. So I, that that's my review. Jacket and tie required. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, much like yourself, I am digging this scotch. I think elegant, your word of choice for this is perfect for it. The color is a rich brass. It is fantastic in the glass. It looks great on the nose for me. It's not overly powerful, but I get slight hints of orange and I get a slight hints of what I would, I have to call citrus floral. Um, so citrus flowers, flowers from a citrus tree, nothing that is a sharp rose or um, so notable as a petunia or flowers you might normally see growing in a yard, but something as you're walking through a citrus grove and it's blooming season, that smell, um, that citrus floral smell is what I I get from it and I dig it and there's just a touch of nutmeg. Um, that transitions, man, from the aroma or the nose into the palate. It is divine. Again. It um, slaps. It slaps. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it does. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, it's good. I, I, I had um, to use your vernacular yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's good um, because... It does slap, um, and it's not powerful. It is It actually almost starts off a little slow. Uh, the 40% ABV, you're not tasting the alcohol at all. On the front of the palate is that hint of orange, but not like a sweet orange, more like that orange zest or that orange that's been cooked. And I, I, I would have to say, for me, it's that caramelized mm, orange. There you go. Uh, a burnt orange, which you get in some fancy drinks sometimes. You burn the orange you'll get that smoke in the drink that's kind of what i'm getting from the front okay of this. yeah i can see that more than the zest yeah maybe. and then it transitions and here was where it actually really gets exciting uh you mentioned a long finish and that it does have this is a lady pleaser for sure <laughs> in the middle though it transitions from this caramelized orange to this rich creamy vanilla and then further transitions to the hints uh, for uh, of coffee or espresso and then finally it's not super sweet but there is sweet in there it's rich chocolate rich dark yes. chocolate and it finishes there and it's fantastic um I, it's it, this is a dynamite scotch it's I, divine I, yeah it's like right around that 130 dollar price point 130 to 150 depending on where you get it uh, most places we've gone is have been out of it they have a selection of dalmore not typically this one some of the less expensive ones some of the more expensive ones uh, but for a 15 year i can see why this got an amazing rating because uh, it i give it the same this is great it is it is it's wonderful 
All right. Um, hey, I'm just, I don't know what else to say about this one other than if, if you see it, grab it and you'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Grab it. Grab it like you want it. Yeah. Drop it like it's hot. <laughs> That's what you'll be doing to your wallet when you say goodbye to the 150 bucks. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a great bottle. Enjoy it. Um, you could like it's, you could take it to like a nice event or whatever. Nice event. Yeah, nice event. <laughs> um, but honestly, here once again, this is where I say I'm selfish. I, I probably wouldn't want to. Yeah, Greg Glass, master whiskey maker, and Richard Patterson, master distiller. Uh, hats off to you guys. This is awesome. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. fun. It's, yeah, it's an easy drink, almost too easy. It's very much too easy. <laughs> And if I didn't have to work tomorrow morning, I probably would hang up, wake up the hangover. Guess who doesn't have to work tomorrow? This guy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's like every Monday. It's time for our shout outs. I mean, do you want me to go first? If you want to. All right. So Verstappen. Amazing job <laughs> winning the Grand Prix, the Miami, the first inaugural Miami Grand Prix, once again, defeating his competition under a safety card and overtaking. Like, the Verstappen rule can't stop Verstappen. He is still doing it. He is still winning races behind safety cars with great strategy, which, uh, again, hats off to Red Bull. Uh, cheers to you guys. Great strategy. Great team. Um, obviously, he's doing far better than his teammate. Um, they both have good experience. I think just Verstappen's the guy. And I mean, I hate to say it, but going into this race, it's, it ended like I thought it would. Ferrari took the pole, had no doubt that was going to happen. As a matter of fact, they took first and second off the starting grid. Um, so great job to Ferrari. That's what, my other Formula One shout out. Um, but man, it, it literally has to go to Verstappen, Red Bull Racing, and we're not allowed to call it the Honda engine. It's the Red Bull power unit. But man, Honda continues to deliver with this engine. They did, they're did. they not even like out there putting their name on. That's crazy to me. So I'm doing it for them um, because they're making the engine for Red Bull, but they told them, hey, call it your power unit. You can't use our name, which is just absurd to me. Like be proud of this engine. Engine. You guys have done a dynamite job with this turbo, producing well in excess of a thousand horsepower, delivering great results um, with a car. This is where it goes back to Red Bull and Verstappen that they've made drivable by Verstappen. That's great in race setups. Yeah, any guess what, guys? If you are willing to risk it all, you can get a pole position and sell some Ferraris on Monday. At the end of the day, what do you want? You want the race win. That's worth more points than the pole position. And for stopping, I mean, awesome. Like, I, and you know me, no, I could literally talk about Formula One forever. Um, but my other shout out goes uh, actually to Noah this go around <laughs> and uh, for uh, continuing to want to learn uh, more about Formula One racing uh, after watching a couple races and diving into a game and logging in uh, i'll let you share the numbers if you want to just an absurd number of hours in a very <laughs> short time period um, to learn and understand this this um fascination of mine that's been long standing but i think it's awesome that you wanted to learn more and you have and uh, you see that same experience now yeah you know uh, f1 like honestly i've never been big into racing um cars are I mean, I, I do appreciate a nice car, but I don't get like really excited about nice cars or anything like that. But uh, like, look, watch, you know, what, being able to experience some like the F one racing here, and then diving into that uh, 
into that video game obscene <laughs> i'm talking about obscene like nasty dirty money obscene amounts of money gets paid out uh, hundreds to, of millions yeah like it's like I, i'd say like it has to be close like for a top team has to be close to a billion dollars that they pay out for for a top team like for all the research that they do and and what they have to pay the drivers and all the stuff that goes into it oh my god it's like <laughs> And you, you know the game. The game doesn't even take into consideration like travel. Like you gotta travel. You gotta travel the cars all around the world and stuff like that, dude. It's it's just incredible. But I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into it, and it is very much a team sport. Like the drivers, you gotta have like you gotta have a great driver, and you gotta have a great team behind that driver because honestly, there's so much that goes into it. All the like the little parts and all the you know all the nuances um, besides just the actual driving. Um, that was nothing to do with any of my shout outs. So <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm actually grateful because we talked a lot about, um, you having a new understanding and appreciation for the amount of research that has to go into these cars. And they are in many ways as complicated, if not more complicated because they have to change from season to season than airplanes and helicopters. Um, so yeah, I, I just, my shout out goes to you for learning a ton in a very short period of time. Well, thank you. Um, so I got three shout outs here. Um, my very first shout out is going to go to rich strike. Okay. That is the horse in the Kentucky Derby. It was like <laughs> near the back end of the, of the pack. A Cinderella and, story. And also it zooms up like right in that final furlong and, and takes the win. So good job to that horse and the, the jockey and the owner. The next up on my, uh, on my shout outs here, uh, is going to be Maggiano's. Um, we've talked about Maggiano's, um, a couple times on the show and they still deliver, uh, Maggiano's little, little Italy. And, uh, we went there for my mother's, uh, for mother's day celebration. And, uh, we did the family, the family meal 30. It's here's the unbelievable part. It's still $36 and 99 cents, even with all the inflation. And they still didn't skip on the food. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the best parts are you get you get a salad, two, two appetizers, <laughs> four main dishes. That's where it's unbeatable, like honestly. <laughs> and you get uh, you get dessert, two desserts. And here's the thing, it's like unlimited. So if you eat up all of one, they'll ask you if you want more of it. Yeah. And on top of it, you know my my younger brother took some food home. Uh, my mom, my stepdad took some food home. And uh, the lady knew that we all wanted some tiramisu, so she brought out three extra full tiramisus, so we all got to take home tiramisu. That's awesome. So, yeah, Maggiano's totally delivers. The price point is exactly right. I mean, you can't beat the amount of food that you get for that price point. Yeah. And the last one is going to uh, Dinesh D'Souza. I probably mispronounced his name, but he is the guy that uh, worked with a couple other groups. And they did the movie um, 2,000 Mules. And uh, that's where they uh, actually uh, broke down all the data uh, using pings from uh, cellular towers uh, to actually find the people who were abusing uh, the voting using uh, paper ballots and dropping them into the mailboxes. And uh, the, like, the filter that they used was that these people had to go to a minimum of 10 different drop boxes and go visit a nonprofit organization. And they've, uh, they found that there was enough that happened 
that could have flipped the election over from Biden to Trump. And uh, it's very real. Like, if you haven't seen the movie or really looked into what they're talking about, they have all the data. They got the videos from from the states um, that are because like each each Dropbox is supposed to have a video um, or a camera that watches those Dropboxes that's actually maintained by the states. And so they got all that, and they're able to get all the the tower pings and all that. So very impressive. So. Big shout out to them. That's a good one. I don't know if it's going to result in anything. Nah, unfortunately, um, I don't know that it will either. But uh, yeah, it uh, definitely shows you that uh, the the election was stolen. Um, I'm also going to give myself a shout out. <laughs> I got a promotion, man. How that, can I not give that, myself? There a you shout go. Out? <laughs> I was going to mention that one, but I wasn't sure if you wanted that one public knowledge. That's all right. I got a promotion. so It's awesome. Uh, promotion and things that go along with that. Congratulations. Thank you. That is a big deal. I know you worked hard on this. Uh, and again, I'm not going to go into a ton of details because it's not truly mine to share, but it was impressive for me to see from the outside, looking at the things you did to deliver ultimately um, a, a presentation you're doing an interview as a presentation and everything you had to do um, going into that for, what was that, six weeks worth of work? Eight weeks. Eight weeks worth of work. Um, and yeah, so I agree. Cheers. Thank you. Appreciate that. I did not get a promotion <laughs> or anything that goes with it, <laughs> which is really sad to me. <laughs> but I also didn't put forth the eight weeks of work you did. Wow. I mean, you need to get moved to another store. Yeah, I don't know that's a promotion. I'm in, like, Crime Central, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have any uh, get-it-togethers? Um, my uh, only get-it-together is a continuation of the previous ones. Get-it-together administration running this country. Um whether you really won an election or it was stolen for you or by you or because of you, whatever the answer is, um, the economy continues to do poorly and now further ramifications are being seen. We're giving away money to uh, Ukraine when we have uh, desolate war zone looking cities in our own country. Um, people living in tents in, here in Denver uh, and really... Yeah, yeah. Stop trying to be the world police when your own senators, your own Democratic senators are saying there's no threat from Russia, yet we've already depleted our own resources of Stinger missiles to, to even help them. So all we can give them is money. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, just uh, really start looking at our own country and, and fixing what you can here. I don't know what you were focused on. Like, like do people think about this? Uh, I did not vote for Biden. I absolutely would have voted for Kanye West over Biden. <laughs> I actually think Kanye West has more of a mind in his uh, body than Biden does. Uh, but for those that did, like, what has he delivered 
uh, for us? Well, uh, nothing. Like for me, that is uh, is a truth. I, I see no policy changes that were good. I see now we're allowing oil drilling in our resources, but we should have never shut it off. And I'm really struggling to understand how this happened again, because it's not the first time a politician was put in the White House and was able to destroy it's not just one predecessor, but multiple predecessors' work that improved um, that where we saw positive changes. And I literally can't figure out like, okay, what has he done that's good? There is a, a newfound border crisis. It is getting worse every day. Uh, the economy is getting worse, especially if you're playing the stock market or cryptos or trying to save money. It's not happening because everything's going up in price except for Maggiano's family meal. And uh, uh, really just, um, yeah, get it together. So mine is along the same lines of the Biden administration. Uh, but slightly bit different mm. than yours. I'm guessing I know. <laughs> uh, mine has to do more w along with the lines of um, around May 22nd of this year. Um, the rumor is that uh, Biden's administration is handing over um, basically uh, medical rights over to the WHO, which is supposedly... World Health Organization. Yeah, yeah, so basically however the WHO rules is supposedly supposed to supersede our Constitution, which is actually illegal. Yeah, it's not going to happen. He's um, probably actually did try it, though. Well, I'm sure, like, well, even the Paris Accord was illegal and goes against our uh, goes against our Constitution, but yet they still did try to push it through and sign in because people don't know their rights and they don't know the Constitution. Um, things like this slip through, so... Um, right now, I'm I'm doing a, a get it together that like this they should not be uh, making any kind of treaty or or uh, giving any kind of leeway to the uh, World Health Organization or the UN or anybody like that regarding like how health is done in our country. Yeah, I, I think the best uh, get it together for us that kind of comes uh, sums it up also is. Uh, almost it's tragic but almost get it together in america like how are yeah. we letting this happen to us um and that's one of the things that i know you and i have talked about it um and i actually appreciate your influence there as well as i love how my kids actually have a head on their shoulders where they think about hey man like this doesn't make any sense so uh biden is trying to take away our rights when it was about the pandemic uh covid and vaccine mandates and why are all these women it, and this is last year why are all these women at this pro-rights uh, event talking about yeah we need the right to have an abortion yet they gave up their right for their medical rights with covid they literally are parallels they're both medical rights and they were completely okay giving up one piece but why are they at this thing like do they not see the parallel i don't think they do and here this might get this might as well be another get it together oh, here dude, for yeah. you. that's what actually the one i thought you were going to mention <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing for all the people out there who are saying like roe versus wade is like getting rid of abortion and saying women can't get an abortion anymore that's incorrect all it's really doing is it's it's reverting the the rule of law back to the states. The states, each individual state is supposed to rule on something like that. And so, you know, really the uh, SCOTUS, good job to them. So that's a shout because they've actually ruled in the correct way. 
And then they get it together for all the whiny little bitches out there who was crying and saying that they can't have abortions anymore because they can. It's just up, it's up to the states now. It's state law. And that's true. And that's uh, really what the Constitution was always about. Exactly. All right. Before we get too further down this way, <laughs> yeah, that, 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 went, <laughs> that went pretty dark. <laughs> Let's talk about our restaurant. Good job, Mila and Aiden. Just saying <laughs> thank you for understanding you want to protect your rights. The restaurant review. <laughs> Mama Louise. <laughs> That's right. So a Mama Louise, a little Italian restaurant, currently located, has been moved from time to time, but currently located at Orchard and Parker Road, uh, founded in 1978, and it was a treat. It was fun. I don't know that oh, it's yeah. like the best Italian restaurant I've ever been to, or it's even in the top three, uh, but it was great food, good value, um, and, and it was fun. It was fun. I would say... Uh, Food versus value, good. Yeah. When I say it's like one of the best Italian restaurants I've been to, maybe not in the top three or four or five, but hey, the, the, the meal the meal that I got was delicious. Mine too. <laughs> um and the and the price point was, I mean, it was a good price point. Mm-hmm. Um the wine list probably could use a little bit more beefing up, but agreed. That was the one area where my critique was that was the negative. Yeah. I mean, other than the wine list, I mean I think uh, it would it'd be aces there, really. Yeah. Minus the wine list. Yeah, I, I agree. So uh, we started off sharing a couple of appetizers. There's the deluxe garlic bread and the Italian egg rolls. The Italian egg rolls were a huge win. That was the bomb. Dude, they were the bomb. I thought the, uh, the deluxe garlic bread was was okay. It wasn't great. It, it, was, was, gar- it was garlic bread. Yeah, it was garlic bread with cheese on it. It was not the Italian egg rolls. Those were amazing. Dips in a little marinara. Fantastic. <laughs> I have to concur. The uh, Italian egg rolls were super good. It was like, honestly, it was a great take on it. On, I'm like doing a whole like Asian Italian fusion type of thing. And uh, they played it off very well and it worked out great. And I loved it. I did too. Um, and then, so part of this Italian tradition, I think this is a fair thing to say, uh, most more traditional Italian restaurants, which I actually do put Margiano's in there as well, you do get soup and salad with your dinner. And we did have a uh, house salad uh, with, uh, I had their Italian dressing and the soup. Um, both, again, were great additions to the overall meal. I happen to agree. I had the same thing. I think the one thing we said about the salad we both would have liked is a little bit of red onion. That was the only thing that was uh, missing. Um, red <laughs> onion and some olives. There we go, olives. And that's one of those tricky things because you don't want to overcomplicate it. Not everyone likes onion. Not everyone likes olives. So now are you asking or are half of your guests asking you to take them off? Well, make them ask. Because for me, uh, again, that would have been the uh, the dynamite. That would have been what would yeah. those little steps would have brought that salad and soup up to top three. Yeah. So that salad is just like any kind of average dinner salad that you would receive. Mm-hmm. You throw in a little bit of that red onion and some uh, some um, some olives in there. Uh, I think that kicks it up into into that upper tier of salads. All right. Do you want to start with your main course first? Sure, I can do that. Um, I went with the chicken franchise <laughs> franchise. I can say franchise, but it's franchise <laughs> or franchise <Unchased>. <laughs> something like that. Something like that. Basically, what it is, it's just breaded chicken. 
fucking lemon butter. Mm. And it was, uh, it was, and I think it had, uh, I'm not sure what kind of noodles it was. Maybe it was, was it linguine noodles? I, it looked like linguine. Yeah. So the, the, uh, the sauce, I'll just say this. Like, <laughs> I think my theme for the night at the di- at dinner was lemon. <laughs> <laughs> and this will make more sense here when we talk about the dessert part too. Dude, yes. <laughs> so I ordered the, like I said, the chicken franchise, or fran- franchise breaded chicken with lemon butter. Super, super, uh, it was like, it was super good. The lemon butter sauce was incredible. I, I know you tried uh, a little bit of it. and uh, I thought it was amazing. Like, I could understand why. The, the chicken, uh, so thinly prepared it was like the perfect veal or chicken uh, marsala or parmigiana or whatever right. you want it was just perfectly tender it was so good and uh yeah, it was is great um I, I would highly recommend it like when i went there um i actually was not going to order that whatsoever <laughs> but i asked the uh the waitress who i believe was the wife of the owner i believe so uh, i asked her uh I let her know I'd never been there before, and and what she had recommended. She said that, so I said okay. That was your second theme of the night, asking her what she recommended, and she did not steer you wrong, in no, my opinion. She did not. <laughs> it was good because, like, my runner-up was actually the dish that you got. Yes, and that dish was the rigatoni Dominique, and man, mine was also uh, fantastic. So you had <laughs> mushrooms and sausage in this um, creamy. Uh, tomato sauce and um, man it's tough because i'm still thinking rigatoni d at maggiano's is delicious this was very different vastly different so this had sausage in it as opposed to chicken um and the the cream sauces the the tomato was much more prevalent here with the rigatoni dominique um but i'm really struggling to decide like if i had my choice which one would I go for it if I like oh, on a random Wednesday? Because the rigatoni D is so good. It's never let me down. We had the rigatoni D. Did, yeah, dude, it literally has never let me down. But what I got to tell you is this rigatoni Dominique, there was something about the sausage and how it cooked into this creamy tomato sauce. I'm going to have to go back there and actually like get a, a full dish of it. Yeah, man. Or we could just like just go back someday for uh, a quick meal and share one because these are pretty good portions. Um, <laughs> it And it was, um, it was it, uh, again, man, it would probably go great with the scotch. It definitely went well with the wine. Uh, again, that was the one thing that I would say also with the takeaway is, man, the wine list wasn't poor. It just wasn't rich. Yeah, you know, here the thing is like, they did have like – so pretty it was a good selection. It was a good selection, but here here's where I think they failed on the selection is that they had some well well-named uh wineries on their wine selection. However, it was like a lot of the lower tier of the wines. So like the Gabbiano. Um I I don't mind the Gabbiano Reserva, but no. they they had the white label. And the white label is no Reserva. And the Gabbiano Reserva probably would have tasted way better. Particularly with both of our meals. Oh, yeah. Um, All right. Desserts. Uh Um, I picked, (laughs) and I think this is a total win. Dude, it was a total win. Um, But I went with the limoncello cake. Uh, Basically, just think uh, it is the tiramisu cake, but instead of using the uh, 
um, the chocolate and espresso. The chocolate and espresso. <laughs> they use limoncello. And I went with the chocolate cake. Now we were so. That was full. my default, though. That was my default because you actually wanted tiramisu. That's true. They were out of the tiramisu, which thankfully uh, snagged me a piece of from Amagianos, which I will be trying with this scotch here shortly. Uh, but with that, we were we were both pretty full, so we decided we would bring those desserts home. And then you were kind enough to share your lemon cake. That chocolate cake was mediocre. It was good. It wasn't great. The bites I had of your lemon cello cake. Oh my god! I want this whole thing for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing that let me tell you, cake. Like I almost, I told my parents, I'm like, I think I might find my new favorite like dessert because like tiramisu has always been my favorite. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I had this one. I'm like, whoa, what have I Dude, been missing? I'm, Where were you my whole life? Yeah, no, I'm not. I am right there with you. I want to go back and literally buy one of these cakes and be like, okay, I need. Uh, I didn't know if I'm like just in a mood or is this cake really that good? Because it's like when you go out in your backyard and you're gonna go water your lawn, and smoke a cigar, and drink some scotch, and also the supermodels walking next to your house. That's how good that cake was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's like so good because it was like something you just ha- first time ever having. Or is it like, is it really that good? I think it's really that good. And I also think that um, even though it wasn't necessarily perfect, the compliment was probably like really having a little bit of chocolate with it to really emphasize how great that lemon flavor was. It was uh, much like this scotch with its flavors. It was divine. This lemon was just like, damn, they found the best. (laughs) This ain't no no regular lemon cake. <laughs> so yeah, if you guys ever do go to Mama Louise, definitely get the limoncello cake. Oh, for sure, for sure. I don't care about anything else. Just get the limoncello cake. Yeah, I mean the dinners were both good too. They were, they were. Um, overall restaurant review for me. Oh, yeah, sorry, uh, we didn't even got to that point. Man, yet. <laughs> would I take a first date there? Yes, it yeah. was fun. They're only open four p.m. to eight p.m. Monday through Saturday. They're closed on Sundays. You got a four-hour window, get in and get out type of situation. Uh, but would I take a first date there? Yes. Would I go there with a friend? Yes. Um, the decor, the inside was actually again, it was fun, not sexy. But but still classical and respectable, um, and, and it was it was good fun. There were running fountains. There was good art, real art, uh, and um, not your average run of the mill place. It's not. It was no disappointment. It just wasn't sexy. Um, the food for me overall, man. Uh, you, you like when you consider all the pieces. So you got the appetizers. One was like a 10 and the other one was average, a five. Um, so you're talking like seven and a half. Uh, the dinner was absolutely at least an eight. Uh, my dessert, the chocolate cake was, again, it was a five. Overall, between decor, restaurant and everything else, um, you know, you take a first date there, you, you, you can't impress with the food. Um, uh, overall, it's, it, it is an eight. It was good. Uh, man, I am always really hard on Italian restaurants, though. Um, and that is the thing. The service was good. Um, yeah, it was fun. So I, I do recommend it. So I would agree with you. Uh, Food-wise, everything, I'd give it a solid 8. Maybe maybe you could bump it up to an 8.5. But I, <laughs> I think really what would help like, get it like a little bit higher up on that scale is having like some like a little bit better wines on the list. Wine list would have taken it to an eight point five for me easily, yeah. easily. But uh, first date worthy, definitely. Uh, meeting a friend there, definitely. Um, if you're gonna go like uh, if you're looking for a business dinner, definitely. 
Um, like, but as you said, like the inside of it, it was like nothing phenomenal. It wasn't like you walked in, you're like, Ooh, wow, this is a cool looking restaurant. But at the same time, you're not walking in there thinking like, Oh, this is a cheap place. Um, so, um, I give, I, I agree with you eight overall. So yeah, so that's a solid score guys. Like it you're is. not going wrong. Um, and and it, we do, I, I, I admit this too. Um, eights in an Italian restaurant because of how hard we grade Dude, Italians. we're hard on Italian restaurants. <laughs> so, I mean, I think uh, comparative-wise, if we went to like some kind of like like a, like a sports pub, it would be like a nine for a sports pub. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually a really good point. We're just hard on Italian restaurants because, our, uh, you know, there is something um, where like from a youth, uh, even when we were in high school, man, sexually at restaurants were uh, Italian restaurants. Like you weren't going to a burger joint if you were going on a first date. You're going to get her some Italian, uh, good Italian. We're not talking pizza. <laughs> Nothing wrong with pizza, but... Uh, uh, yeah, man. Italian restaurants are—they're—they're the—they're uh, the aim. They're the mark. Godfather, nineteen seventy-two. Francis Ford Coppola, Marlon Brando. Man. It's an interesting movie. So Al Pacino, Al Pacino, um, for me, like Al Pacino was, you know, he's Michael. He is the movie. <laughs> he's the future of the movie. Uh, but for me, it was really interesting because growing up, uh, Marlon Brando was a stud. Like everyone talked about him, but really right before this movie for 12 years before this movie, he had done squat. His, his career was going down the toilet. He had done great things like a streetcar named desire. And then he was doing turd work better than the work <laughs> I'm doing. So I can't say anything. Uh, this is not a, 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 cheap cut at him uh but what it is is saying man the godfather rejuvenated his career uh really injected all of these guys with uh so much testosterone that they were arnold schwarzenegger winning his um, bodybuilding championships afterwards <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, The Godfather, man, what, what are you like, when you think of The Godfather movie, what do you like think of initially before you rewatch it? Was there anything that stood out to you? Well, you know, um, it, it, it was, uh, I think it kind of like embodies the, uh, persona of, of the, of the, of an Italian family. Not, um, and I'm not talking like, just like a, like <laughs> talking about like the mafioso type of family. Not, right. Um, and more of the uh, traditional sense of before, um, like, you know, the drugs started really playing a huge role into it. Yeah. And, uh, and I think also it kind of, uh, it kind of shows a little bit more of the, uh, I don't want to say more naive or innocent time in America, but really from like the forties to like the sixties before you had like the hard, uh, hard drugs hitting. Um, there was a little bit more of a respectability about everything. Um, you could just, I mean, you just look inside of like, uh, you know, the family there and there is respect that's given. Um, 
I don't know. I I, I thought I liked it. Um, but I've always liked mafioso type of movies. Uh. <laughs> I I have too, and it's interesting because it's like a couple of short numbers out there, which is crazy to think about. So uh, before the film came out in 1972, shortly before, three years before, uh, I believe it was um, Paramount Pictures obtained the rights to this screenplay for $80,000. That's like nothing. Oh, yeah. Um, $80,000. They got the rights to the screenplay. It hadn't become a big hit yet. Uh, it, was, it was based off of a book originally. Then became adapted and became a screenplay. Um, and then uh, a few short years later, 1972, it's released March of 1972, and immediately goes to the highest earning movie ever in the box office. Here's what's funny. If you look up the results, the research says it was somewhere between 250 million and 291 million. <laughs> now, wait a minute. We're talking about a variance of 41 million. Uh, maybe there was a little mob skimming and work in the middle there. Possibly. I mean, you're talking about 40 million missing out of 300. Uh, uh, 15% sounds about right for my take. <laughs> uh, but it's great. And um, it is, you know, really based off of like the 1945 to 1955 era of the mafia, the mob, and the the, fi the crime families who at the beginning, to your point, they're all very respectable uh, and also respectful. And then you see the different pieces of greed come in. Some of them are interested oh. in drugs. Some of them are interested in doing what's right. Others are, you know, trying to gain territory. So here, here's a big, a big thing that I've like that I've seen here is like it talks about. It, they don't really talk about it, but you could tell back in that time frame that men had a code. Oh yeah, and all these guys had a had a code to them, and they upheld that code. And and then the other thing I've also learned, if you were to compare someone from back then, possibly to I'm not gonna really say necessarily to today's time, but a person's word back then meant a lot. Seemed to mean a lot more than someone today. Um, and I, and I and I get that just from my experience from like interviewing people and studying stuff like that. Like they're like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, we'll do an interview, and then all of a sudden, like the person doesn't show, you know, or they they don't call you, you know, you know that's just. And that that's just like one example, but there's like you can see like there's a ton of examples where people say things and then they just don't hold up to their their end. So I think a person's word was a much stronger bond back then than it than it is today. I think there's two sides to that, and I think the other side is the uh, opposite side held people accountable to their word in the past, and now they're just like, eh, they didn't mean it. Then why did they say it? <laughs> <laughs> say what you mean. <laughs> Oh, it's a really good point. I asked you uh, for, for, you know, my own giggles and uh, laughs, what you remembered of the movie oh. before you watched <laughs> it. And the reason I asked that is because before I rewatched it, um, what I remember, and this is like weird, and I don't know why this is, I remember a couple of things. I remember Marlon Brando in his tuxedo with his bow tie looking sharp as, like, I, if I can look that good at that age, I am golden. Like, I don't care about anything else. That's not true. I care about everything else, too. But um, I, I'll feel great. He just, he looks the part. He looks uh, divine. 
much like the scotch or our dinner, uh, the main courses. And um, but what I really, what besides that, and a couple of those catchphrases, uh, we're going to make them an offer you can't refuse. That uh, that really stand out is man. I remember. Well, Michael being in love with Diane Keaton's character, and then he runs off to Sicily because the and his wife blows up, dude. So he gets married. Her name, I believe, was Apollonia. Is that right? Something like something, that. Something, like, something that. like that. He marries another girl, even though he always loved Diane Keaton. Uh, he marries another girl. She gets blown up in a car bomb that was intended for him. And then he later comes back and marries Diane Care, uh, Keaton's character, Kay. And I just, as a kid, that's what I remember. Okay, as a kid. Dude, it was so messed up. Why as a kid am I like thinking about love? That's the fail of a true romantic right there. <laughs> so you remember when you asked me before we like uh, watched the movie and you're like, hey, what do you remember from the movie? And I said, oh, isn't that the movie where the guy who like had a horse's head in his, <laughs> yes! in, in his bed? Yes. So that's what I remembered as a that, kid is a horse's head in a bed. So I do remember that, but that's like like my fifth memory. Like no, that's way like, down the that's list That's like for one me. of my top ones. <laughs> but that's like one of my top ones. Like the guy didn't want to like, uh, the guy didn't want to do what the Godfather wanted. Yeah, the Godfather was trying to get his nephew that part in the movie and it was Hollywood. That's actually real for the mob in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> And so the guy's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna like put your godson in in my movie." And so he's so godson. That's right, not nephew. So, so uh, here's your prize. So horse Vito, head. so Vito uh, made sure that they uh, were made him enough for he couldn't refuse. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was the one thing I remembered. The other thing I remembered was uh, Michael Corleone's uh, wife being blown up in the car. So you remember that too. It's not just me. No, I remember her being blown up in the car, but I was kind of confused because I, I, like, I remember his wife being blown up in the car, but I, I kind of forgot that he went back to Diane, uh, Diane Keene's character. So here's what's interesting about that. Um, I think for me, like when I think about why did that impact me so much is because there were two sides. A, he ne I don't think he ever really loved her. I don't know. The the first wife that blew up in the car. I think he always loved Kay, Diane Keaton's character. Um, but the other piece is that, that I've been able to like think about and tie it is, man, that, not that she was actually a mother, but that was a mother. That was a mother figure. That was a possible mother of a, of, of children of a great man. And that, that as a kid had a huge impact on me more so than the horse head. <laughs> well, here's another thing though. If you're, if you're going to be in the mafia, right? <laughs> um, the, the, there's they're part of the part of the code too. Is you want to like you want to make sure you want to keep it, you know, as being Sicilian. And so him marrying him going after Kay is actually going outside of the family. Yeah, she's white, white toast. And so really, he, you know, personally, I think he feel bad for the wife that blew up. But that's when he should have been with the the wife that blew up. Yeah. I mean, if I you're trying to keep bloodlines, but life is greater not, than that. Not, not even bloodlines, but I think she'd be even a better, probably a, end up being a better wife for the whole. Well, the whole lifestyle, more understanding of his lifestyle, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> but that was it was necessary for the screenplay in the book and the and the movie is Diane Car uh, Keaton's character Kay really being like, hey man, there are some parts of this like I'll. I'll I, I get it. Like, I think at one point he actually shuns her away and she's like, I get it. But, um, yeah, she's also letting him know like, Hey man, make good choices. And I think that's also very important. <laughs> like, 
We have kids. You didn't have any kids with her. We have kids. Don't be an <laughs> idiot. Protect your kids. Protect the future. So, all right. What else do you want to talk about on this movie? Um, you know, it's considered the second greatest movie of all time. And I actually put it pretty close to that as well, if not there. Um, only behind Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane is a great movie, actually, but I think I like this more than Citizen Kane. Entertainment-wise, I agree. But when you think about filmography and what changed the world of movies and entertainment as we know it, Citizen Kane created a foundation that this would have never had without Citizen Kane. That's probably true. I Rosebud! Mean, <laughs> I guess if you're doing that, though, I imagine like The Matrix with how they advance movies, too, that would have to be up there. Uh, yeah, um, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but man, I'll watch the Godfather 10 times over before I watch the matrix twice <laughs> and I will watch citizen Kane probably three times before I'll watch the matrix twice. I've never been a huge fan of citizen Kane though. I don't think unless you, you know, I look at it from the study of film that you can appreciate it. Cause right now, if, you, if we were to go watch it right now and just think of it, okay, so we know nothing about these two movies, the matrix or citizen Kane, let's watch citizen Kane. And then we'll watch the matrix, man. The matrix would blow it out of the water. And we'd be like, why did we waste two hours of our lives on citizen Kane? But when you know that nothing had been done, um, per, per, especially when it pertains to uh, cinematography from perspectives and dimensions, Citizen Kane brought that into light. I get that. I mean, and I did study film. I, I studied German, right. German film and society. Nosferatu. <laughs> uh, at the University of Colorado in Boulder. Um, and uh, so we did, like, uh, like we, we broke down film and stuff like that, and we broke it down to under, better understand the society. Mm -hmm. And uh, German German film rivaled that of Hollywood back in the in the early 2030s, 1920s and 30s. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the other thing is there's a lot of things going on around the world. And man, noir films from France, dude, still some of my favorite. Like I love things like Sin City. So there's like uh, Nicolas Cage. He even mentions. <laughs> He even mentions. Uh, Why does he get such a bad rap? He, I don't know. Like I, the more I think about, it, he may not be this best actor, but man, he provides awesome entertainment. So his number two movie, right, along with Pedro Pascal's, when that in the in that movie, <laughs> they named Doctor Caligari's Cabinet, which is a German, famous German movie. Yeah. And then if you want to talk about another great one, it's Metropolis. You know, I've heard of Metropolis, but I've never seen more than like a thirty-second clip of it. It's a, it's a very it's a very intense movie. That's what I understood from the clip. Uh, giant robots, right? At one point, uh, yeah, there is a giant robot part, but there's uh, it, it really dives more into and uh, in the, the industrial society. The clip I saw was just this giant robot, and I'm like, yeah, that stuff's scary. I want to learn more <laughs> about robots. <laughs> But anyway, I think we got a little bit sidetracked there. Um, but even though Nicolas Cage is not too much of a sidetrack because he is, a, I think, the grandson of Francis Ford Coppola anyways. He is! Yeah. No, he's uh, the nephew. 
Oh, nephew. He's okay. the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola. And, um, you know, really with uh, The Godfather, it wasn't meant to be like some in-deep review necessarily of the film. I really what is this introspective view of our own experiences based on the film, what we think of it. Uh, for me, Francis Ford Coppola, I went and visited one of his wineries in uh, Sonoma County, one of his wineries, and there they had the desk that's in all three of The Godfather movies, and I so badly wanted to break the rules. The Godfather would have. But I actually played true to the rules and did, did not go sit. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> I uh, literally just took a picture of the desk and I'm like, that's so cool. But they also had a lot of great things. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola, for me, much like Scorsese, is this phenomenal director who has done so many great things. And now he makes great wines, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> If you guys don't know that, he makes great wines. Um, and uh, he's just really added. Here's what's important to me when I think about people like that. Did they add or take away? And a person like Francis Ford Coppola, to me, added to so many lives of people who don't even appreciate what he did. You have been impacted by the movie The Godfather, whether or not you know it, if you're still alive today. I would agree with that. And, you know, to um, we probably should point out, too, um, some of the other actors. Uh, James Caan. Oh, yeah. He was in that movie. Sonny, but he... He plays femme the older. <laughs> yeah, he's he yeah definitely a femme fatale. He he uh, was the older brother. He was a little bit of a loose cannon, and uh, gets machine gun down. Yes. Uh, spoiler alert: If you yeah. haven't seen the movie from 1972, <laughs> <laughs> and then another another great another great performance in the movies was uh, Robert Duvall. Actually, Robert Duvall got, uh, and that's another thing about this movie. Sorry, I did just interrupt you. Uh, But Robert Duvall got an Academy Award for a supporting actor role, much as Marlon Brando got an Academy Award. These are the 45th Academy Awards for Best Actor. And that's right, Francis Ford Coppola got uh, an award for Best Director. All deservedly so. I mean, the, the acting, the directing was incredible in this movie. One person we probably may overlook, and it wasn't like her acting was like all that great in this movie, but it was uh, Talia Shire. Okay. Who happens to be Adrian from the Rocky movies. Adrian. Uh, I think a lot of people get overlooked because this movie was so dynamic. Two hours, 15 minutes long. We talked about that. Somehow this guy watched one and two in a day. And I'm like, isn't that like six hours with movies? And he's like, no, man, that was seven. (laughs) That was why there's an intermission. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, man. I didn't watch them both in one day. I watched (laughs) one on one day, one on the other day. Either way, it's impressive. That's a lot of uh, video in two days. And, And oddly enough, though um a lot of what i remember from the godfather actually comes from godfather 2 i can understand that um and you know another great thing about this movie is unlike a lot of movies today definitely different than um the matrix it was almost all filmed on location either in new york city or sicily that's actually pretty cool you know what else is cool so we got francis ford coppola And I think this is another piece true to the time and true to life of the time. Actually, whether or not he threw a bone out to his dad or not, his dad writes, wrote some of the scores for the movie. Oh, really? Yes. The score was actually great. Yeah. He, I don't know that his dad did all the great ones. 
but his dad was did some of the scores for the movie. And when I think about that, I'm like, man, that's just cool when you know your dad's talented anyway, and then you still keep it a piece of it in the family. And I think if nothing else, uh, yeah, (laughs) pays a little homage to the fact that man, we're writing a movie about family, and I believe in that. So here's the thing. Uh, Here's here's a question for you. Would you do what Michael did? Oh man, which piece? Like risk it all? Yeah, where he assassinates, like, because right now, like, like goes in and kills. Yeah, so he he's basically known as a civilian, so he's pretty much out of the family as far as like the mafia part is concerned. Right, ex marine did did some time, served America, and I think that's what makes probably the the later great uh, Godfather movies that much more meaningful. Also, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then, um, but then he goes and uh, he uh, he kills the uh, the the chief or the police captain or something like that, and along with a with a rival. Uh, Mafia member. Um, in and a then, little Italian restaurant. In a little Italian <laughs> restaurant. And then he ends up leaving to go live in Sicily for a while to, until things cool, that, cool down. Yeah, the it, war was it, raging. So would you would you have done that? Or Dude, man, that's a tough question. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even have to think about it. Because politically, you can't say that kind of stuff right now. But if I'm in that time, that day, that age, um, and I'm in that position, you got to really consider anyone who's gone to war and come back. And we're talking about that war that uh, really didn't respect any of the people that came back from it. He comes back as a, a Marine, and, uh, and he's not getting respect. He's, he's a fighter. But now he's got family and his family's asking him to do things. And at the end of the day, even though he risked his life for all of America, what he knows of the response to that is, yeah, man, like he better go find a job and work even harder because that doesn't mean much to us. Whereas it did to his family where it did. And so they ask him, they literally like at the end of the day, he's asked to do this this shitty job and he does it and um i think for me yeah if i put myself in that role i do it hands um, down yes yeah i would do and if if it wasn't for michael Vito, his dad would have been it would have been killed yeah and his brother Sonny would have been killed much earlier exactly and you could tell he like you could tell he was a future of the family though he's the one who had he the was brains. smart and i hate to say this but because uh, i i like the thought of my son ever becoming a marine scares me but i think he gained a lot from the marines i think he gained a lot from the marines but then he also learned how to uh take advice from like someone like his dad and stuff like that now you also got to ask and we already know this yes the mob and Hollywood were intimately involved. Uh, is that what, uh, you know, part of developed some of these, you know, Al Pacino in particular's lifelong roles in Hollywood? Could, could be. I'm guessing there was some influence there. <laughs> and rightfully so, though. Like Al Pacino, when you think of Al Pacino, and I think I know, I'm going to ask this before I shout out a, a movie or two. Uh, when you think of Al Pacino, what movies immediately come to mind? Okay. First movie immediately comes to mind is Godfather. Okay. Hands down. Second movie, Scarface. Okay. Um, then after that, it gets a little bit more hazy for me with Al Pacino, but probably I go maybe something like along the lines of 
Um, one of my favorite movies of his is uh, Son of a Woman. Okay, so here's what's interesting. For me, when I think of Al Pacino, um, what I immediately think of is actually he did a documentary on finding Shakespeare and about one of the kings and uh, it's absolutely amazing it was great uh marissa had this shakespeare class she took and she came home and told me about this and i had to see it because al pacino did a great job rendering a role in one of the plays and he had done a, a ton of research I watched this. I believe it was Henry V. Um, it's whoever had the hunchback was all <laughs> jacked up. Uh, but it was amazing. And I literally, because of that, seeing his real life interest, energy, drive, desire to play this role and understand the character because most of Shakespeare is historically based. It's not just a novel nonfiction uh, or fiction, but it is more nonfiction than fiction. Uh, the queen was granting him the gift to write certain stories. And because of that, he was Shakespeare was aimed to make this particular king look terrible, um, whereas maybe this king wasn't. So uh, Al Pacino goes on this role. Second for me, is actually scent of a woman. I think that's, again, I think this is one of my strengths and weaknesses is uh, this romantic. And I think Al Pacino in that movie, again, ex-military, um, does a great job, kind of abandoned by his country, but does this amazing job really being a solid core person that whether or not he's doing good or bad, I don't mind being that guy. Like I, I could be, I would love to be that guy because you know what? At the end of the day, he did more good than bad. And um, so after that, that's when I go to heat. Oh, he, oh my God, movie. dude. <laughs> he was a great movie. And I don't know why, but I think part of that has to do with other actors, which are considered terrible actors like Mel Kilmer. Mel Kilmer did a great job in that movie, too. I know, but people hate Mel Kilmer. <laughs> but, you know, I think it, the one thing about Heat, though, really what they did well there is they pitted De Niro versus Pacino. Brilliant. They did such a great job. So after Heat, then we get more in line with... Father versus son. Yeah. No, no shit. Because, like... De Niro plays Vito Corleone. Yeah. And, uh, I know. and Godfather too. I'm just saying that for the people who don't know. Yeah, that. no, it's brilliant. And uh, he is this amazing movie. And, and like, at the end of the day, it ends how it should end. And I hate it because the true good guys win, but the bad guys who are living with passion lose and die. And I hate that because I want people to be able to live with passion and with drive and to go after what they want. And I don't know if they were really bad people, but they were doing bad things. <laughs> so ultimately, the you know the answer is yes, they were bad people. But I hated the I hated the I don't ending. Know if they're bad hate. people, but they're doing bad things. Well, now you go back to the Godfather. Bad people doing bad things. <laughs> But I love it. And so it's interesting, though, because for me, Al Pacino, Marlon Brando, number one, Streetcar Named Desire, number two, The Godfather, day in, day out. For me, Al Pacino in The Godfather, even though he is huge and pinnacle as far as roles with all of The Godfather, you know, the, the trilogy, ultimately, um, that's like the fifth movie in the list of movies I think of when I think of Al Pacino. And I really think of uh, Shakespeare because of the impact. And I love Shakespeare. You know this. Uh, but then 
you know, I go to scent of a woman and then heat. And like, it's, it's, it's interesting um, because Al Pacino absolutely was the role. Um, I think people really underestimate when you think about the movie and where it went and what it did without Al Pacino, the Godfather wasn't the Godfather. You need a son and you need a smart son that, that people can believe in. All right. Any uh, final words you want to say on the Godfather? Uh, no, it's a great movie. I actually do. I actually do think Citizen Kane for me, if I am honest and I don't necessarily want to say this because they're my favorite movies. I don't really enjoy watching Citizen Kane. I don't enjoy it at all. But when I watch it and I look at the cinematography, and I look at the different scopes and the views and the way they pan in and pan out and side to side and zooming and everything else that they do black and white, by the way, guys, um, it is not fun to watch, but it absolutely changed the movie world right behind that godfather interview absolutely for me um godfather is a great movie if you haven't seen it we probably spoiled a few things uh but it's an amazing movie and i think to really one of the reasons you started off by saying this that it's such a big movie to me is because the men in this movie have a code whether or not we agree with it whether or not we like it they all live by a code most of them die by that code i would agree with that Uh, i think it's a phenomenal movie i love it um it really kind of shows a little bit of the Italian or Sicilian uh, kind of like uh, um, backgrounds a little bit. And being that I am part part Sicilian, I kind of enjoy that. Uh, there you go, man. Why you're so but, dark. <laughs> <laughs> See, that or the Japanese, but I'm not sure which one it is. But <laughs> it's not the Portuguese or the Spanish version, but it's still. Uh-huh, they had some, some yeah. heat in them, too. Yeah, they did. I, I went, yeah, whatever. We'll go, we'll, uh, I'll stop there. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, I think it's, I love, I love the movie. Uh, I love the whole time frame that they're in. Uh, you know, the, uh, it kind of shows, it kind of romanticizes a little bit about, uh, about the mafia Perfect during word. the, uh, during that time frame. And, you know, if you are a person with a code and, uh, you have that, res- that respectability or, or you have that kind of like love for your friendship that you create a family. Cause you know, there's a family you're born into and then there's a family that you make. And, uh, I think, uh, that kind of like shows it. And, uh, I don't know. I think there's a lot that you can pick from it. I think the code that they live by is to some people it would be a skewed, uh, maybe not a good thing, but maybe to others it, it is a good thing. Um, and I'm not saying like doing, yeah, don't Doing go bad. around killing people. Go, don't go around <laughs> killing people, but yeah, I'm not saying that part's good. I'm just, you know, th- but there's a code that that people should live by, and, and you should try to stick with that code, whatever your code is. So uh, I think that's a great movie. Um, that's all I got to say about it. That's it, man. All right, so next week uh, – we don't have the scotch you, up. You want to do the yard bag? You want what do you want to do, man? We yeah. got choices. Okay, let's do the yard bag. All right. So next week, scotch. We're gonna do the yard bag barbecue smoker. The an away and away <laughs> and away and away. Like I hate that I <laughs> love this canister because the whole point of the tin or the canister is like this one. Well done, Talmore, to keep the sunlight out so that it doesn't age prematurely. You get a scotch you might hold on to for 10 years. This one has a bunch of goddamn holes in it letting the sunlight right in. 
it's marketing for Americans. Dude, it, it's, it's, I love it. I just hate that I love it because it's not effective. Like, I literally am going to take. Uh, like, it says barbecue smoker on there, right? Barbecue smoker. <laughs> All right. So, it's an Isla Scotch. We know we love them. It's going to be good. We're going to do some barbecue in some sort. We're going to test this mother out. Oh, we've had it before. Well, but yeah, we're gonna we'll test it out for the show. Uh, in the barbecue. In the barbecue. Oh yeah, that. that. So um, to uh, stay on theme with the restaurant that we're gonna go to, which is a, a new restaurant that I think it says Crave Hot Dogs. I think that's what the name of it was, or something like that. So having to do something with hot dogs or crave, I'm not sure. But anyways, an, uh, another alumni from the University of Colorado Boulder opened up the store and. I said that our, our podcast would go do dinner there one 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 time and uh, do a review. So, um, being that it has to do with hot dogs, I'm assuming if I remember correctly, <laughs> I'm throwing out a lot of hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to make our uh, our smarter challenge for next week is movies that define summertime. Ooh, all right. Immediately, I go to romance. I hate this. <laughs> She's the one. <laughs> I mean, that could be anything. It could be like, uh, think of like summer camp type of stuff. Dude, young blood. <laughs> it's about hockey. I don't know why I think of the summer when I think about that movie, but I think about the summer. <laughs> How do you think about like hockey? I don't know because maybe in like Canada, it's different. I don't know, <laughs> man. <laughs> there was like those old meatball movies. Yeah, dude. Where it's all the- yeah, exactly. For those of you that don't know what meatball movies are, it's about young guys getting their nut off <laughs> <laughs> at a summer camp or any other situations like a hotel. Well, the or- movies were the movies were. <laughs> At a summer camp. <laughs> and then comes out all the movies to try to stop you from doing that, like Jason, Friday the 13th. <laughs> I mean, that's at a summer camp, too. That's what I mean. Like, literally, if you look at uh, when they talk about why these movies came out, uh, Friday the 13th in particular, it was to beat the, <laughs> the meatball movies. Some people were like, this is a bad idea, or guys. you can even do something like The Road Trip. <laughs> Uh, Euro trip, road Euro trip, trip, any of these. Dino. What'd you do? Kill a cheetah? <laughs> One of my favorite lines of any movie. Guys, guess what? <laughs> Euro trip's better, though. Dude, that was your sister. <laughs> or there's even stuff like uh, Major League Baseball movies. Yeah, those are all there. Any of them. Any That's of what them, I mean. Yeah. Though. Like most people think about baseball. I never go to baseball. I go to like hockey. So I went to the hockey equivalent. Young blood. <laughs> I love hockey. I, <sighs> I enjoy hockey. I had a ton of fun playing hockey when I was young. All right, so uh, that's the uh, that's the smart challenge. So, do you have anything for the people? Uh, hey, a couple quick things. Uh, drink responsibly. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who just celebrated Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. You know, we're mentioning this uh, just a few days late from our, you know, 
when Mother's Day was and when you're watching our show. I, I got to give a shout out to Robert Graham. I love this shirt. Nice job. I ordered it from Patrick James all three months earlier than it actually came out, but I still got it delivered. Thank you. I love it. Um, man, it feels good. It's cut well. Nice detail. And um, please continue to give us feedback. Like, share, subscribe. The feedback's the biggest one. What do you like to see? What do you not like to see? Do you like these movie reviews? Do you want us to be more critical? Do you want more details? Do you want to show you all the pictures of the meals, all the pictures of the movies? Uh, we have to be really careful there because we've uh, gotten ourselves in some touchy waters showing some of the clips we have uh, just because we're not trying to take anything away from the movies we review, but uh, sometimes they don't like us showing a couple seconds of it. So with that, though, nonetheless, please give us feedback. Let us help us. We want to be great for you. Let us know how. Awesome. I think you did. I think you said everything we need to. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, I got to say, though, this scotch is a pleasant surprise. It is a great scotch. Uh, when I bought it, I thought it would be good. It's almost, again, almost too smooth. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, real quickly, for those of you who are watching us, thank you. You're probably watching us on YouTube or Rumble. Uh, if you're listening to us, uh, thank you once again for a wonderful last month. We had our best month ever where we had more than 70 downloads. That's awesome. Uh, which is a, that's a definitely a growth spurt for us. So if you are listening to us on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of the other places, we greatly thank you as well. If you want to become a patron member, uh, that will be down below. That's the very first link in our comment section uh, or description area. And uh, it'll be Podbean patron. And with that, thank you very much, everyone. Hopefully you have a great night. Uh, the same Scotch time, same Scotch channel. Scotchman! Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.